0: Take a stand and save our future Like we are got we are got shot, got shot. up our hands, so let them shoot us Cause we all, we got, we are we
1: Good morning and welcome to Crime Talk BK We're your hosts, Joanna Perpich and Megan Duffy Hey there. And uh, we hope that everyone is, well, staying safe um, with everything that's been going on. Um, So last week, uh, we said at the beginning of the show that we were not going to talk about police brutality because we wanted to make sure that we had um, just read up and researched and we just didn't want... Um, anything to be just off the cuff, especially about something that's so serious. Um, So for this episode, we are going to be talking about the murder of Fred Hampton, who was a um, Black Panther leader in Chicago. And uh, I mean, Megan, I'm sure your sentiments are similar, um, but I just wanted to say that Black Lives 100% Matter And uh, Crime Talk BK stands with the protesters fighting for justice and fighting for things that people should have been given so, so long ago. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you're from Minneapolis. Um, George Floyd's family is from Houston. Um, This is – we're talking about someone who – we could have interacted with in the world, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. Um, Yes, my sentiments are similar. Um, With all of my introspection and research this week, uh, you know what has been going on for a really long time, but it just kind of was a, I don't want to call it a wake-up call because you know what's been going on, but just um, sort of an internal revelation. Like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck has been happening? Why is this happening still?
1: Yeah. There's like a variety of organizations that are really great uh, to donate to um, because I know a lot of people are still worried about COVID. so They might be more inclined to stay at home. You know, so please support financially. Um, There's a Black Lives Matter chapter in, I'm pretty sure every city at this point, at least every big city. Yeah, I think there's Um, one. There's also bail funds for the protesters. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and your Your local ACLU chapter,
0: your Mm local NAACP chapter, um, any local organizations that are giving out you know if you're in Minneapolis you' giving out um, food donations to the neighborhood that's been burned down or if you're in other states that you have neighborhoods burned down you can there's local organizations that are packing up food and groceries and diapers and other essentials because they aren't available in those neighborhoods anymore so you can do that
1: yeah and then shout out to reclaim the block which is a uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis uh, organization um, that is seeking to move money away from police departments and uh, kind of redistribute it uh, towards um, organizations that will actually strengthen the community. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other so su- other
0: other social services like mental health care and. Um, all those other things, where the you know, and they admit it themselves. The police get overused with 911. They're the ones that get sent for these these calls that they they're not even skilled or trained on. And that makes them overtaxed. So the, re- the defunding doesn't mean abolishing the police. It means reassigning resources to places that would better serve the community.
1: Yeah. Mhm. Uh. And then one last thing is, uh, let's say that protesting is something you're you're uncomfortable with. It's not your jam. That's not how you... That's totally okay. Yeah. Um, But then maybe you're also broke. You lost your job. There's plenty of, like, support roles that you can do. Um, You can hand out, like, water bottles and masks to protesters, which is kind of what I've been doing, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can also... um, like pick people up from jail, pick up protesters and um, take them home Mm -hmm. after they are released. There are a lot of different things that you can do um, to support um, black civil rights and to speak out against police brutality. You know, there's like many different ways that you can help. I would also like to add, you should be calling
0: all your local representatives and your local leaders to air your grievances. That's if, if you know if, if you're housebound or agoraphobic or something um, and, and vote
1: by yeah. mail. Mm-hmm. Vote, vote by mail. Um. then just one last shout out that I would like to do is I've been reading um, the book Hood Feminism. And I don't know if I talked about this on the show yet. It is. Such a really wonderful book. It's written by Mickey Kendall. I and, I, um, I
0: heard about it this week. So tell
1: me about it. Oh, it's it's fantastic. It is uh, so the author uh, grew up in a black neighborhood in Chicago um, that was low income, and the book is kind of about how mainstream feminism. Uh, is all about getting more women CEOs and you know, uh, getting rid of the pay gap. And of course, those things are, are important. Uh, but if you're only focusing on women CEOs, then you're leaving out like a huge swatch of women who are like the most vulner- <clears throat> who are the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so for example, she says that, we should be talking about childcare as a feminist issue. We should, when we think of being a feminist, we shouldn't necessarily think of our coworkers. We should be thinking of the person behind us at the grocery store or the person on the other side of the checkout. You know, like uh, feminism—the way that you hear about it. Um, has a very narrow focus, and so the book is really kind of about what expanding, what is a feminist issue, and then also just examining how racism has played a part in narrowing who feminism helps. Mm. Well,
0: in my view, I've always I've always been a, a girls girl or a lady's lady, and so and I. For a long time, I didn't like the label feminist. I felt like because I was subscribing to what you said—that very narrow idea of what it was—I didn't want it because I was concerned about all women and the childcare and the opportunities and everything.
1: And I'm not trying
0: to do it my own home here, but I did—I just couldn't subscribe to that idea because I didn't understand why it was so narrow in in the mainstream. Yeah,
1: and the answer is. Racism and classism. (laughs) Like, that is, you know, the two culprits of, frankly, many ills of American society. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, um, I think that also during this time, while people are, you know, out of work, uh, folks are taking more time to, like, read up on a lot of these issues. And hood feminism is just really beautiful. It's very she does a very good job of balancing these like personal stories with this more academic approach. Like I was kind of worried reading it that it might be too wonky for me because I'm not very used to reading a lot of like feminist literature. And I think that she works to make it approachable and her ideas build on each other. And so the first couple of chapters, I think are um, very, they feel a lot more like common sense, you know? And so then when she starts introducing ideas that have like some language that you might not be used to using, you know, like if you don't know what intersectionality is, for example.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and yeah, so I've been like recommending this group, this book to everybody, Okay. My mom and I'll I, I are it reading up. it together. I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up.
0: Um, we could use a lot more common sense these days. There's a, there's, we need some more common sense. Just, oh, for sure. Just, yeah. Okay, I'm just going to stop there because I'm going to say something stupid.
1: Anyway, anyway. We're all like that close to saying something stupid. I,
0: I Well, I was I was thinking about the, you know, the the people in the white house and i don't want to i don't want to turn this very important topic into that you know like yeah it we always turn to that and he's not the root of the cause he's certainly not fucking helping the cause by any stretch of the imagination so i'm just gonna leave it at that
1: yeah So why don't we just get straight into talking about Fred Hampton? Uh, We should do like a little preamble about the Black Panther
0: Party, too, I think. Uh, So the Black Panther Party was uh, formed in 1966 by Bobby Seale and Huey Newton in Oakland, California. They uh, had two core practices. One was the... um, open carry to parole the behavior of the police officers in oakland because there was a lot of police brutality going on so they would distantly follow them in police cars around the neighborhoods and then when they were confronted by the officer uh, party members would cite laws provi- proving that they'd done actually nothing wrong and threatened to take the officer to court if they had violated their constitutional rights and the second um, i guess prong of their socialist organization was community social programs like health clinics and um, you know food programs and all kinds of other things so they were they were really actually doing a great service to their local community hyper local communities and they eventually expanded into a number of chapters across the country and in Europe, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right with that? Europe? Beep, beep, beep. Oh, I don't know. Uh, yes. Um, they had one in the UK and apparently Algeria. Yep. They um, Their most famous program was the Free Breakfast for Children uh, in Chicago at the time. Um you know, they were, they formed out of a response to police violence, political and socioeconomic inequality, and lack of resources in their neighborhoods,
1: essentially. Yeah. yeah. And they, in the, I think many ways, are quite similar to the Young Lords, which we've already covered on Crime yep. Talk. Yep. Um. I mean, they were formed because they saw a need in their community. They needed to provide, um, frankly, checks against the police who were harassing them, Mm -hmm. harassing their communities. Uh, Yeah, and so um, I know that the Black Panthers get a bad rap, uh, but if you actually read up about them and many of the things that they were doing it's it's things that everybody should support
0: I mean they were anti-racist they were anti-fascist they were all kinds of anti things that a lot of people already support it's it's the media and the and the, the politics making it militant angry black people who were going to go out and you know brutalize people that weren't part of their group and that's not that's far that's so far from what they were actually about
1: mm-hmm um, and then also I mean you you have white people with big guns everywhere yeah I know a few yeah not in so. New York
0: not in New York I will say not in New York <laughs>
1: but I know a few No. <laughs> um, but it just like point being, it's like they weren't really they weren't doing anything really that um, white people weren't able to do. No, you know? no. So. Um, in 1967,
0: the California legislature and the lovely governor, Ronald Reagan, passed the Mulford Act, which essentially stripped all legal gun ownership uh for open carry in the state of California, but that basically neutralized their, it was, it was clearly in response to the black Panthers walking around with their machine guns. Mhm. Um, and then, so also that year, it is alleged that, well, he's in jail for it here. He went to jail for it. Um, Huey Newton was shot. He shot a police officer And actually, I think he got shot himself during a 1967 traffic stop. And Bobby Seale was, I think he was killed in a later ambush. So the main leadership of the party is now in jail or dead. And that is where we... See the rise of Fred Hampton.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Because he got, so we can start with that. We should, we can start there, I guess. Because he started young. He started in high
1: school. Yeah. I, was say, I have some stuff on his early life uh, yeah. that I think kind of really shows like the type of person that he was. Uh, I,
0: watched, I watched some speeches that he gave on YouTube. They're up there if you want to do your. He is so charismatic and well spoken and. Powerful and yeah, um, I I highly recommend it. It was it was incredibly moving and I you know he was also really young. Yes, he's 21, 20 I think 20 when he joined the Panthers in
1: full. Um, so. Just to start out, he was born on August 30th in 1948 in a Chicago suburb, and uh, that's where he grew up. His parents were from Louisiana, um, and at the time, it was quite common for black people to move from the South up to the North. Um, of course, opportunities in the South are, were not ideal uh, for black people. and His parents worked at the Argo Starch Company. All right, so Fred was it sounds like the cool kid in school. Yeah. He was athletic, he wanted a career in professional baseball. He was really smart. He uh-huh. graduated he graduated high school with honors. He studied pre-law in college. You know, I mean, he's like the type that you would vote most likely to succeed in your yearbook. And,
0: he also, um, he started a chapter of the NWACP at his high school.
1: Yeah. And, uh, let me see. He became the leader of the West Suburban Branches Youth Council. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was really impressive. Um, but he grew the group to 500 members. <laughs> yeah. And he's also like, I mean, with 500 members, of course, he's doing stuff, but this had real impact in his community. Uh, they were able to get a better recreational facility for the kids in the neighborhood. Um, They um, advocated for um, more educational resources. And some, a tenant that he really held dearly uh, was the effects of community organizing, Mm -hmm. you know, and that you can stay in your neighborhood and really make a difference, mm-hmm. you know, and that things need to come from the people that these ideas are going to serve. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I was impressed by the, uh, he got a, his own municipal swimming pool opened up in his neighborhood because there were so many discriminatory policies on other swimming pools near the neighborhood, and they were about 20 miles away from Lake Michigan. So most of the uh, black folks in his um, locale weren't able to go swimming at all. So um, he demanded meetings with with the mayor at, um, and he, um, oh, Mayor Edgar Albert, yep, they turned to the streets to demonstrate because the mayor wouldn't meet them and one of their first demonstrations it was only about a hundred people um and they the police were called and the sheriff was called and this led to a bit of some i think one of fred hampton's first uh interactions with a violent protest There were some police police stormtroopers. And this is just in suburban Maywood, right? This is not downtown Chicago. Mm -hmm. So because of that, um, more demonstrators showed up. And uh, the sheriff started arresting a bunch of people, including Fred Hampton. And they brutally beat him in front of most of the demonstrators and onlookers. So that was his first uh, interaction with, personal interaction with police brutality. I mean, he grew up with it and saw it and heard about it, but this is in record that I could find his first run-in with the police.
1: Yeah. And you probably didn't have to search very far to have a run-in like that with the police. No. You know, for any of these kids that are doing these things. No. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, he's like the type of person that we need more of, you know? He really believes in his community. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so he went to college, and um, around this time, the Black Panther Party is also starting to gain national prominence. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially since he's kind of running in activist circles. And so he's probably more up on organizing than, you know, like your next door neighbor might be. Mm -hmm. And, um, so something that really drew him to the Black Panthers is that they have this, it's called the 10 point program Mm -hmm. and it's a party platform and I went and read through it and, Uh, From what I could tell in my research, the thing that stood out to Fred was that um, the Black Panthers work really hard to put black people at the center of the conversation about their community. As they should be. Yeah. I mean, like, I say that, and it's like, oh, well, like, of course. But, like, actually, um, you know, like, there's a lot of folks who have, like, opinions about... um, how to solve inequality and the Black Panthers. Um, well, I'm just going to quote them. The, the, uh, 10 point program, the number one thing that they said is we want freedom. We want power to determine the destiny of our black community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, they also wanted to have this, um, Like, they want to do this educational push uh, that really, like, teaches black heritage. And um, I mean, like, among other things, like, of course, they want employment, housing, and to police brutality. Uh, But I think that, um, or at least it sounds like, uh, Fred was really drawn to this idea that it's not just about solving these issues, it's also about um, making sure that black people are in charge of these programs well who knows how to
0: take care of their own community better than the people that live there right yeah i mean that's the that's the whole message with the defunding of the police now is we get we we want a seat at the goddamn table mhm
1: yeah And so he started working with the Black Panthers in 1968. And they were just starting in Illinois. And so at least um, in Chicago, he's really on the ground floor.
0: (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Let me see. So Fred... Was as magnetic as he was, he drew the attention of the Panthers, right? They saw him doing his own community organizing, the youth groups, whatever. Uh, His leadership abilities were quite apparent. Um, He brokered a. Was this before or after? Oh, God. I'm sorry. This is after. Okay, so he joins in '67. Oh, okay. <laughs> he joined, let's just let's just do that. He go, he joins the Panthers in '67, and that's because of the void with Huey Newton and Bobby Seale out of the picture, and other leaders who are either have been killed or in jail. So there's a. And was
1: that the Black Panthers um, out from California, or just specifically the Illinois? It was specifically.
0: Um, Illinois. Oh no, that was Oakland. Yeah, Bobby Seale and Huey uh, Newton were in Oakland. Um, But but they were the chairman, and I forgot. I'm sorry, I forgot. Huey's what is? This is so bad. One second, I lost my page. Um, Huey was the minister of defense. Bobby Seale was the chairman in Oakland. So, when you have the higher-ups leaving, it creates sort of, a, a you know, a gap for leadership, and and Fred Hampton was an absolute natural to sort of go in and take it over.
1: But that was at a national level, not local.
0: Yeah, but they're, but they're the, Bobby and Huey had come out and, I mean, they had a part in the chapters on the national level I'm confused they had a they had a part that they had a part in the, each chapter of the national level they were revered as the as the national leadership of the party hmm okay um so Fred steps in in Chicago and um, he met this guy named Brother Lenny who was speaking of the Black Panther Party and uh, who came to Chicago from Oakland to speak to the church groups. And this is uh on record as the first interaction with the panthers and he was getting like the marxist leninism idea which you know seems sort of radical but when you read about it it's not that it's not that extremist or communist ideas it's very socialist um so brother lenny taught him that um The struggle was, it was a class struggle, not necessarily, I mean, yes, there was racism involved, but there was, it was more of a class struggle. And um, Hampton expressed all of his disillusionments he had had uh, with the police and among some liberal working class whites who didn't understand that it was a, even though they were calling themselves, I guess what we would call them now, allies they didn't understand the socioeconomic struggles that these people were facing in his neighborhoods and neighborhoods across the country, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um so he joins the party and um his main goals were to deal with white flight and the gang problems and the limited job opportunities and conflicts with residents and um, you know uh, food deserts is what we call it you know we bougie people call it now um, which is all part of your 10 point program that you mentioned and um, so The free breakfast – he started the free breakfast program that I had mentioned, served children. um, They set it up at a local – I don't want to call it a community center, but it was a storefront that was empty, so they set it up there. Um, They had – then they eventually had set up more than one. They also set up the People's Medical Care Center in Lawndale, Illinois, that provided – education on and screening on uh, diseases, particularly sickle cell anemia and other um, genetic diseases that were more prevalent among the black community. And later on in the early 80s, right before they shut down, they also did HIV AIDS education.
1: Hmm. Um, Oh, and one more thing that he did that I really liked was he taught political education classes. Mhm-hmm, mhm. Um, and of course, he has a wonderful background um, going to college for pre-law, you know, yeah, and uh, I just thought that was kind of cool.
0: I really, after researching this, I really am a huge fan of Fred Hampton. Um, he wanted a rainbow coalition of people of every like every all races in Chicago to band together, to share the political okay. and socioeconomic goals. Um, just like anybody else, he faces challenges with all of that, but it, he, you know, he, he marched on and he, um, refused to broaden the racial divide. And he was always trying to, um, minimize that gap and get people, get people talking because it's harder to hate somebody when they're standing in front of you and you're just talking. Right. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Um, So I have a little bit of information about the Rainbow Coalition. Okay. Um, Yeah, so it kind of started with uh, Fred helped the Black Panthers create this non-aggression pact, you could say, between local gangs in Chicago. And uh, so they made this argument that these racial conflicts between different gangs really only benefit white supremacy you know it puts everyone down and uh so he did that you know with the you know like the folks who are in these gangs but then he was also he also said like we need to yeah as you're saying like close this racial divide and you know like racism hurts everybody yeah and so he, he reached out to the organizers of the Young Lords, which is a Latinx community organization group. Um, he also um, spoke with the Young Patriots organization, which was mostly but not exclusively white, kind of lower middle class Um, and he eventually kind of expanded this onto a national level and was joined by the Brown Berets, which was, um, I believe, a Chicano org, Chicano, Mm -hmm. and um, the American Indian Movement, the Red Guard Party, which is um, for Chinese Americans, and then Students for a Democratic Society. Okay. And that's what became known as the Rainbow Coalition. So it's like if you were down with getting rid of racism if you were down with helping your community you're welcome in his book yeah yeah i know
0: um okay so with this popularity though what happens to what happens then he is now on the radar of the police and the fbi because the FBI actually called the Black Panther Party a terrorist organization. Yeah, and under that paranoid little fucker, J. Edgar Hoover, he had a program called Cointel Pro and it was basi- He was basically spying on United States citizens who- whom he deemed a threat national yeah. security yeah
1: and like if you look at this list it is wide reaching yeah you know it was like um anyone who didn't serve the status quo yeah well you had,
0: well you had to be yeah. white and you had to be white and you had to be uh hoover leaning
1: mm-hmm. basic, basically yeah yeah He, like, let me see. There's, like, one organization on this list that I think probably actually did need to invest. He did investigate the KKK under this, which is, like, yeah, the KKK is a terrorist group. Black Panthers, Young Lords, American Indian Movement. No. No. No.
0: Mm Um. So yeah, so now they're following them around. they the feds are spying on them. They're convincing the Chicago police to follow them around and spy on them. Um, so, um, do we? Are we just gonna get into this? Do you have anything else? Yeah. To add? Okay. Um.
1: Well, I mean, it's just kind of crazy how this whole investigation into Fred escalated so quickly. So quickly. So
0: quickly. We're talking two years at most?
1: It's like there's so many people who, like, deserve to be in prison who they take longer with. Like, J. Edgar Hoover was just super racist. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what? And that fucker wore a dress and women's underwear to bed every night. So, fuck him. I hate him so much. He just tainted everything.
1: He tainted everything that he touched. Sorry. Well, I wouldn't say <laughs> that wearing women's underwear is necessarily bad. Just no, it super sucks. You're, no, I'm, I'm not
0: kink shaming here. I'm saying he. was the most dick-wielding man in this country. He served, he, I think to this day, he's still the longest-serving longest, longest serving public servant in the federal government. He had way too much power. For sure. Not kink-shaming at all. Wear your women's underwear to bed. That's fine. Just don't use your power for evil if, if you have it. That's what I'm
1: saying. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, it's like I don't learn anything positive about J. Edgar Hoover ever. Like, every no. time he comes across our research, I'm always like, God, that guy. I know. You
0: know? He's like, I know. He's like the dark shadow in the corner. So bad. Okay, so um, the FBI convinced that Fred Hampton and all his friends in the Panther Party were a terrorist organization, approached a car thief named William O'Neill to become a paid informant. To infiltrate the party he he wasn't the only one but he's the most notable one in what we're about to tell you
1: yeah and then also the fbi wiretapped fred's mom in 1968 after just one year of investigating his mom his mom mm. probably
0: his girlfriend too but like, yep. everyone like everybody um So in exchange for his uh, exchange for having his felony charges dropped and a monthly cash payment, William O'Neill agreed to infiltrate the Panthers and report back. Mm hmm. Right. With 100 percent accurate information, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. So he succeeds in joining the Panther Party and he's acting as Fred Hampton's bodyguard and director of chapter security he would provide FBI details of the group's structure and inner workings. And at the instruction of J. Edgar Hoover, he worked to undermine the coalitions that Hampton had created among neighborhood gangs and organizations, causing a major rift and creating a distrust in the Panthers. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that I... uh did appreciate is that um so O'Neill is reporting back to the agent that is doing the investigation, right? And then that agent is writing to Hoover. And at one point, um, the ed- the agent um, writes to Hoover and says that the Black Panthers in Chicago were primarily feeding breakfast to children. <laughs> He's like, nothing na- going, like,
0: that what are you going to do?
1: That's like what they were doing.
0: That's a national threat to our security. Come on. Well,
1: apparently, because um, Hoover, resp- this is quoting from Wikipedia, so take it with a grain of salt, but Hoover responded with a memo implying that the agent's career prospects depending depended on him supplying evidence to support Hoover's views that uh, the Black Panther Party was a, quote, Violence-prone organization seeking to overthrow the government by revolutionary means.
0: Right.
1: Like, Hoover is, like, literally worried about, like, World War Three apocalypse death to America. And these people are, like, giving cereal to kids. Yep.
0: Yep. There are people that still believe this shit today, though. Right? So, I don't know. Maybe it's in the water somewhere. Um, yes. So, I don't know how long, I couldn't figure out how long O'Neill was in the Panthers. Um, I think it was probably about a year,
1: based on the loose timeline that I kind of figured out. hmm Yeah, because he was killed in 1969, so Fred was killed in 1969, mm-hmm. and, um... Yeah, I believe that they recruited him in 1968. I mean, it couldn't have been more than two years, right? Because the FBI started investigating him in 1967, so. Yeah. So, best guess, six months to a year, right? Uh, So,
0: O'Neill draws up a detailed map of the layout of Fred Hampton's apartment, and he hands that over to his handler in the FBI, um,
1: well, and he was saying that um, all of the guns that belonged to the Black Panther members um, in Chicago were at uh, Fred's apartment. Right, which was a
0: total fabrication. Um, but then the so the FBI then shares the sketch and that information with the Chicago PD. So at the behest of Jay Edgar. The Chicago police set up a raid on Hampton's apartment.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, with the help of O'Neill. Like, he's not, uh, he's still in it. Because on the evening of December 3rd, 1969, O'Neill slips a barbiturate sleep agent, which is uh, autopsy showed it was Cicabarbital, into Hampton's drink like that night. Now, that doesn't mean he was alcohol. It could be tea. It could be whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then he left the apartment.
1: Well, it's even worse than that. It's that um, that evening, Fred was uh, teaching one of his uh, like politics classes at like a church. Yeah. And then he has, like, a couple of Black Panther members who either, like, lived far away or were maybe even from out of town who were sleeping on his floor that night. hmm His girlfriend is, like, nine months pregnant, about to pop, you know. And so then O'Neill like, cooks them dinner and hands Fred this drink and then just excuses himself for the night. So that's, yep. like, the setup. That's, like, what Fred is doing the night of the raid.
0: Yeah, it's all very, like,
1: normal. Except for
0: this fucking jackass. Um, 14 officers were dispatched to the apartment. At 3 in the morning. They stormed in and open-fired. Killing Mark Clark, age 22. He was one of Fred Hampton's security guards. He was one of the guys on the floor or the couch. Um, They open-fired on Hampton's bedroom where... He was unconscious from this drug, and he was laying next to his girlfriend, who was nine months pregnant. Then she was known as Deborah Johnson. She's now known as Nakura Jiri. She was only wounded. Um, He was only wounded, too. And so upon that discovery, an officer came back and shot him twice in the head. That's why it's called an assassination. Yes. He was 21 years old. There were, so there were seven other people in the apartment besides Fred, um, and they were all arrested and indicted by a grand jury on charges of attempted murder, armed violence, and a variety of weapons charges. Um, yeah. These, yeah. These charges were all eventually dropped after the Department of Justice found out that Chicago PD fired 99 shots, while the Panthers only shot once.
1: And the one shot that they fired, they believe it was the security guy spasming as he died, and it went yeah. into the ceiling. Yeah,
0: it was Mark Clark. He fell. It was a It was a rifle he was holding, and he fell, and the rifle went off when he fell. Yeah.
1: And I was reading this, like, thing written by the police, and they were like... It was a miracle that night that none of the cops were killed, and I'm like... Does this sound familiar? <sighs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so... It, well, they, like,
0: so they okay. didn't need to be there. No, they. there was no reason for them to be there. It was all J. Edgar Hoover's power tripping. So they didn't seal off the crime scene to the apartment. Um, and so the Panthers opened the apartment up for viewing and thousands of people from the community came in to view the aftermath where they could see all the bullet holes and the bloodstained mattress. But the cops took video too. like this is there was not going to be an investigation into this. Their cops were trampling all over the place. And then because they didn't seal it off, the Panthers opened it up for, uh, you know, sort of a. This is what the fuck happened. Don't believe the hype. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so... As you said, the warrant... um, was executed to turn up weapons and explosives... um, because they feared that... uh, the Panthers were hoarding them inside... for a violent revolution. Um, Survivors Harold Bell... and his fiancée, Deborah Johnson... Now, Aqua Nigeri, I can't, I'm going to slaughter her name, Aqua Nigeri, testified in the 1972 criminal trial against the state attorney and the officers in the raid. Yes, they were all brought up on charges. That Hampton was pulled alive from his bed and shot dead twice after the group had surrendered. A FBI whistleblower later said the agency coaxed law enforcement officers across the country, including Chicago, into deadly clashes with Black Panthers all over the country. There was a break in a few months after this trial, FBI field office in Pennsylvania, where they found a huge cache of documents, including the floor plan of Hampton's apartment. And an outline of the deal to conceal FBI's role in the assassination of Fred Hampton. And in 1970, uh, a couple years earlier, the survivors and relatives of Fred Hampton sued the federal and local governments for almost $50 million, stating that their civil rights had been violated. That case was dismissed. Um a new trial was held in 1979 after the it was determined that the government withheld relevant documents and obstruction, obstructed the judicial process. Uh, so in 1982, Cook County settled for $1.85
1: Yeah.
0: Hmm. A Senate report further acknowledged Hoover's FBI in trying to prevent violence from black power groups itself engaged in lawless tactics and responded to deep seated social problems by fomenting violence and unrest. Sound familiar?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like none of this stuff is new. No, you know, and unfortunately I worry that it's just going to keep on happening until there's real change. Yeah,
0: well, yeah.
1: I mean, it's hard to know what to say after a story like this, because, I mean, of course, we're we're thinking about everything that we've been seeing on the news, and unfortunately, like, there's just so many parallels between then and today, and it's frustrating to think that police brutality is as big of a deal now as it was then. And, um, and one of the reasons why I really wanted to do Fred Hampton is because, um, a woman in a Facebook group that we're both in had written a little bit about him and they said like, I'm sure you don't know who this person is. And I was just like, no, I don't, I'd never heard his name. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I think that's, um, that's a shame. So, well, I, yeah,
0: I mean, yeah. Fred Hampton was one of 28 Panthers that were, that were killed by police across the country in the sixties. And I'm glad you brought it up. Um, you know, if we don't learn from our own history, we're never going to learn. Yeah.
1: Um, Do you have any final thoughts before we close out? Sure. In
0: 1990, William O'Neill, who returned to Chicago in the mid-80s after a stint in federal witness protection, was struck by a car when he ran across the Eisenhower Expressway in Maywood in an apparent suicide. Oh. Yikes. Go talk to your neighbors. Go support your neighbors. Go out into your community talk to people. Find out what's ailing your community and find out ways to help. Yeah. There's so many ways to help.
1: I know this is a very serious um episode, but it's just it's so important, you know. It's important for every single person in the United States to be talking about this. It is
0: and I like the idea of going back forty-eight years, forty years, to show people and talk about how this is not new.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's actually a really great um, podcast on NPR Throughline. It's their history podcast, and they just released, um, or I should say, um, another NPR show. That I listened to, um, they highlighted the episode that Throughline did on the history of the police and the history of the police, even like as an institution in the United States, is rooted in um, these like bands of white men hunting uh, runaway slaves.
0: Right. Oh, I'm sorry. It was 50 years. The uh, the anniversary of Fred Hampton's death was last December, fifty years ago. Um, Yeah, I don't. I'll look. I'll check into that podcast. I listened to. I actually read when I started doing my research. I found this original article. um, It was called the Daily World, and it was published on January seventeenth, nineteen seventy. It's called the short story of Fred Hampton, assassinated Black Panther. And then I watched uh, The Murderer of Fred Hampton documentary on Amazon Prime, along with Wikipedia, of course.
1: All right. And uh, with that, um, thank you for joining us um, for this week's Crime Talk BK. Uh, please tune in next weekend. Uh, we air new episodes on um, Radio Free Brooklyn every Saturday from 11 a.m. to noon. Grant is Later, days. And good in the life. Safe from the torment of the fire as we keep our hands up high and scream for
0: justice.
1: Ferguson, rest in peace, Mike Brown, and all the young soldiers out there. God help us. Time to take a stand and save our future. Like we are, shot we are, Gasha. Throwing up our heads, oh man, shoot us. Cause we are, we
0: got, we are, we got. Put us on the earth to get murdered, murder. Caught and put us on the earth to get murdered, murder. Don't
1: your weapons Seen the pictures, feel the pain Scanners how they murder, son Tired of them killing us I'm on my way to Ferguson Talk to Tip, I talk to Diddy Then my brother's walking with me Mother's crying, stop the rise We ain't gotta chalk the city I seen coal out there Felt I should go out there They left that boy four yeah. hours in the cold out there They killing teens They killing dreams Yo, come on we gotta stick together, we all we got, we all when we police got. taking shots and I ain't talking about Syrah, I'm talking about Emmett Till, I'm talking about Azelle Ford, yeah. talking about Sean Bell, they never go to jail nah. for it, Trayvon over Skittles, Mike Brown, Cigarello, Cigarello, story Cigarello. keep repeating itself like a biggie instrumental, <laughs> America's a glass house and my revenge is my <laughs> revenge is rather revenge. use my brain and throw revenge. a cocktail through a window, I got the keys to the city, still we left in the cold, hands in the sky, still was left in the road, ribbon in in the sky, Michael Brown, another soul. Stole by the system, black men, we pay the toll. The price is your life. Uncle Sam on a slice. Black dress code, now we looting in the night.
0: Now we throwing Molotovs in this holocaust. And I know they hate to hear me screaming, I'm
1: about. Time to stand and save our future. Like we all got shot, we all got shot. up our eyes, don't let them shoot us. Cause
0: we all we got, we all we got. got God ain't put us on the earth to get murdered. Murder. God ain't put us on the earth to get murdered. Murder. Your weapons at me.
1: Tired of the Okie Doke, you lying, you Pinocchio. Driving wild black, tell me where am I supposed to go? Gunshots hit the car, now I got the Holy Ghost. Excessive force was a drug, then they overdose. God is trying to protest, it's a slow process. Heard it's a lot of rotten eggs in the crow's nest. People praying on their feet, police holding on with heat. Turned on the news and seen a tank rolling yeah, down the I street. Seen a lot of ice water tossed, and I know it's far cost. My only question is, what we? Do Doing for the loss of Mike Brown. Cause right now I challenge you to use your talents to speak up. And don't you ever let them silence you Cause action speaks louder than words, that's what I heard. Shot down with his hands up, that's what occurred. Man, that sound absurd. Matter of fact to me, that sound like murder we want justice. yo game, I had a crib out there. I used to live out there. Same. So I know how niggas feel out there. People stressing, protesting. unity is a blessing, So it's time we come together, use our voices as a weapon. I am Michael Brown, cause I stand for what he stand for. News say we looting, paint pictures like we some animals. Oh my, CMG Hollin', rest in peace, ease, and Fuck the mm. police another brother slain out St. Louis. I'm sure the mother feel the pain, but what you famous doing? I'm sure the general population try and be more active But when the light finally catches you, you ice challenge Okay, and I support the ALS, just like the rest of them But you have yet to pay your debts, so you just flexing it Cause everybody care for a minute, stop People only there for a minute, and stop And what's the point of giving if you ain't giving your all? We never get in the head, might as well give up your heart, I, love. I got my hands up,
0: what else am I supposed I get to do?
1: And all other tell Lord, me the soldiers that will
0: not be on the news Mercy, 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 mercy. Only oh.
1: oh. God can say mercy. Oh. Mercy, 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 mercy. Martin Luther King had a dream, dream, but they ain't respecting dream. Jesse up out here, and they don't really respect Obama out here. Yeah. The lights out, no dark, it's like a nightmare. Uh. How the fuck you play the game, but they ain't playing fair? It's going down. I'ma right, right here, right now. Not on TV, but right here. Put your flags in your air if you don't really care. We need, justice, yeah. we need justice here. We need justice here. I heard he surrendered. But we all saw how he did him. Television broadcasts a confused country. I'm a resident of a nation that don't want me. What's done is done. The town erupts in fury. And I'm already hearing about this lopsided jury Three faces like his, the rest another story. A lot of motherfuckers need to act more worry. The revolution has been televised. If I sit here and don't do nothing, homie, that's genocide Fuck that, we have arrived